The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. Help us to bring you great conversations with great photographers. Support the show today with your monthly contribution through our Patreon effort at patreon.com forward slash the Candid Frame or click on the link in the show notes or the website at thecandidframe.com. Thank you. This is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame. With the presence of a camera in everybody's smartphone, a phrase you often hear is, now everybody is a photographer. Now, more people may be taking more pictures than in the past, but that doesn't equate to these people being photographers. I mean, just because millions of people own running shoes doesn't mean Usain Bolt is anything to worry about. But being a good photographer is more than just making a great photograph. And being a professional photographer demands more than just making great photographs consistently. As many have found, being savvy when it comes to business makes the difference of living life as an enthusiast or as a working professional. Photographer Kawhi Matthews is an editorial and commercial photographer who has an eye both on the creative and the business side of being a pro photographer. It's led her to have a creative career in both the editorial and commercial world, and has allowed her to photograph talents such as Kanye West, Queen Latifah, Angela Bassett, and Idris Elba. She has and continues to demonstrate the hard work required to lead and thrive while living a creative life. Hi, Kawhi. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have a chance to to sit down and, and, and chat with you. You're quite accomplished. Thank you. Uh, very, very <laughs> impressive resume. But one of the things I wanted to start off the conversation talking to you about is that I know that along with being involved with photography and multimedia and all these things is that you're an educator, you're a teacher. And you were sharing once about an experience that you had teaching kids in the Bronx. Yes. And I heard this real passion and excitement about that. And I wanted to start off with that. What, okay. what was so special to you about, about that experience? That experience. Well, I mean, I, I had been in L.A. for all my life and I had a studio here and office space on Sunset in West Hollywood and was working a lot and was, you know, happy with where I was at that time, but grew a little, I don't know, a little bored or a little uninspired at the time. I felt like I needed to uproot myself and New York had always been a place that I wanted to live and decided to spend a summer there uh, with a friend that was living out there already and said that I was going to somewhat take a, take a break, you know, and kind of go out right. there and and maybe teach or volunteer, you know what I mean, just to kind of clear some headspace and then started to research, you know, different organizations and things that I could probably get involved with while I was out there and ended up finding a couple of things to get involved with. And I was just, I wasn't even shooting a lot. I was doing a lot of graphic design work while I was out there and just trying to, you know, settle my mind and kind of get re-inspired again. And before I left that summer, I had found an organization. I was kind of like, I didn't tell anybody that I was getting ready to move out there. So I was doing a little research before I left for the summer. Okay. And I found a program called Creative Connections. And it was perfect because it wasn't, it was a space where I could teach and they were paying you, you know, oh, to teach after school. 
you know, program. And it was based in entrepreneurship. So it was an entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurship program after school for kids, middle school and high school. And before I left New York, I gave them a call and I did an interview. And when I got back to LA, they had called me and, you know, were really excited about adding me to the team. And that's how I got to <laughs> New York and started, was able to start living there because I had that in position, but it was an incredible experience. The training for the teachers was, was heart opening and it showed me a lot about myself and what I could do in the teaching space. And that led to me working uh, with two schools in the Bronx, a middle school and a high school. And that, you know, turned into a whole nother, just kind of breaking open a whole nother realm of myself. You know, they taught me so much about not just myself, but sort of pushing through the webs of life and getting to, you know, that light and getting to see potential and, you know, staying with it, you know, until you get that breakthrough. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that one of the, the gifts of that, of doing that work was having the kids have an opportunity to see themselves through you in terms of what they could achieve. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I, I know that, you know, in a lot of communities where, you know, you don't have a lot of people walking around that are, you know, professionals or cre mm. successful creatives or successful business people. And, you know, you, if, if you wake up every day and, and you saw that and you saw those examples, you know, life would be so much easier. The, the blue, figuring out the blueprint would be so much easier because you'd have access to those people and those resources. So being able to go into classrooms and communities and be an example and be sort of like a peek into the blueprint of what your potential is or what you could be and having somebody there to ask questions to or to figure out who you are. And it's not necessarily having to be a direct reflection of somebody, but sometimes it's just having a person or a figure to calibrate yourself around or to, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it helps. So who was that for you when you were coming up here? Um, who was it for me? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think like I didn't, I'm really like the only artist in my family, so to speak, to where I really created a career from, you know, being a creative, from doing design and photography and video and stuff like that. I think that for me, it comes from so many other different things and being such, I'm in, sort of an explorer. So okay. finding, you know, my mother was always adamant about putting me in programs, whether it's sports or you know, recreational or computer or school or something like that. So I was always around people that I was able to work through and practice and exercise, you know, my mind, my body and stuff like that. So I would say there's, there's so many people along, you know, in my life that were able to influence me, teachers and things like that, because, you know, my parents were so, you know, made it a point to put me around, you know, those people in programs that were, I was able to help you sort of discover my talents and gifts. Is that how photography found, it, found its way into your life? Uh, photography found its way in my life, actually not until high school. I, I really can't tell you that, you know, I spent my whole life, you know, dreaming about or being creative in that sense. You know, art wasn't really introduced to me till high school. And I took a yearbook class and, you know, in photography. Mm -hmm. That was the year that I started to discover that I had an eye and that, I had a specific and a unique way of connecting with subjects. And that was like inanimate subjects, like just my surroundings, my environment. And, you know, then that grew into people and portraiture and things like that. So um, tell me about sort of growing into that sort of high school association with photography 
and starting to think about it as something more than just, you know, working on the yearbook or just making pictures of friends? When did you start considering that maybe you could make a, a wife out of this? Right. Um, I never thought that I could make a life out of this. It wasn't, you know, something that I wanted to do. I've always been, you know, a young entrepreneur, business, you know, lady, little business kid, you know, running around selling bracelets and lollipops and trying to figure out how I can make money. So the, I think the young marketing person or the young entrepreneur was, was living in me, you know, from elementary school on and photography was just a hobby that I had found and something that I could find um, sort of peaceful like mind space and you know being in the dark room and things like that so it was more therapeutic it wasn't something that I thought to even connect with making money so so what was this what what spurred that 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 passion for entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurialism am I saying that right I think so entrepreneurialism okay <laughs> I'll defer to you on that one okay um, but <laughs> But, you know, when, when um, a kid sort of realizes, oh, that they can make money doing something, uh-huh. some of them have the, the reason that they, they, they want to make money so they can spend it. Right. But others see something else in being able to earn money. And I'm kind of hearing that that was you. Yeah. So what, what was that that appealed to you in terms of being able to earn your own dollar? Um, you know what? One, we live in America. So yeah. there's that. <laughs> and I can't, I can't, honestly, I can't really put my finger on it. I I can just tell you that there's just a feeling of being able to create, create or generate energy to like, to create income or to get somebody to purchase something or, you know, engage in a transaction with you because you have something of value. I think I've always kind of been just like intrigued or interested in the transactional like energy between people and that putting me in a position to have to create value or exp- or you know present value so right. it sort of put pressure on me to figure out a way to create value for somebody so that they're interested enough to you know then pay me money for it you know so if that's you know kids want candy you know so i'm going to go try to find you know the best candy to sell kids or i would i could i would honestly like i would walk home from school and i would bother or run into like telephone wire, like in these boxes, or like I would see like a somebody from the phone company that was out fixing like telephone wire. Yeah. And I would literally ask if they had any extra and I would make these little bracelets out of like the cool, colorful telephone wire and sell those. And I remember putting those in little sandwich baggies and taking them to school. And <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was pretty like, now that I look back on it, it was like, wow. You're making it work. Making it work. Making it happen. That's awesome. They were hot. They were hot in the streets. <laughs> so how did you sort of translate that sensibility to your photography? Um, well, I, photography was a hobby of mine and I started doing it and um, people started to take notice. Like I, I, I didn't do it to make money. I, I literally was just like for fun building a portfolio. You know, I was interning and working in entertainment at the time. And that's what that was my goal was to be an entertainment executive and working in music. That was like a huge passion of mine. And so out of high school, I was, you know, looking for internships and working, you know, with some entertainment companies at the time. And while working entertainment, a lot of my friends and colleagues and things were like, hey, do you want to take, you know, pictures of our band? Or can you design a flyer for this show coming up and things like that? Mm -hmm. So I was putting my creative skills or integrating my creative skills with my, you know, 
in my job environment because I had like self-taught myself all this stuff. And so was beginning to use that. And so enough people had told me and it left people close to me were like, you need to do this professionally. You need to start, you, you can really like be a professional photographer, you know, looking at my work. And at that point, you know, after being pushed and nudged, I decided that I needed to be educated about the business of photography. And I made a, a point and I committed myself to learning that and started to go to conferences and workshops and buy books and figuring it out. And, and I wasn't going to do it until I was comfortable enough that I knew the industry that I could jumpstart a business and felt that I could take care of myself doing it. And what were some of those things that you felt were essential for you to understand and know to be able to dive in? One is knowing, you know, there's so many you know, types of photography you can do, you know, what am I going to focus in on? You know, I was doing a lot of portraiture and headshots and things like that, looking and finding, you know, what are some various revenue streams for portrait photographers? You know, I was already doing headshots. So I saw a headshot business, you know, working in Hollywood as Mm -hmm. a, a definitely a viable path. That's what I was, I kind of focused on first was doing, you know, headshots and shooting musicians and stuff like that. And I was already, you know, working with celebrities and things like that. So I said, I could just take all of these entertainment contacts that I had after interning, you know, and working in entertainment business, I could just reintroduce myself to the entertainment industry as a photographer that photographed musicians and Mm -hmm. actors and celebrity. And that's what I did. And I started to reach out to a lot of my contacts and people that already knew me that we're looking for, you know, services like that. And I was saying, hey, I'm your girl. In terms, because there, there's no shortage of photographers in this town that right. photograph celebrities. Mm-hmm. So you talked about before about being able to sort of, def, sort of define that thing that's sort of special about you, uh-huh. you know, in order to be able to sort of sell and market that. What was that that you were leveraging when you started, you know, redefining yourself as a photographer and putting yourself out right. there? Right. Well, you know, I think if you work enough and you share your body of work and people can see sort of a through line of what your aesthetic is and what you see in people. It kind of comes out itself because sometimes it's hard for us to look at ourselves and say like, you know, what makes me different? What makes me unique? It takes a lot of sort of work and research and self-awareness to pinpoint that out. And then on top of that, single it out and then create a marketing campaign around it. But I think for me and a lot of my portraiture and what I, what I feel that people see is that, it's it gets to the soul of who the subject is, who the person is. Mm-hmm. Um, they can see and feel a real connection between myself and what that person is gesturing, how the way they're looking, things like that. Uh, and that goes back to sort of what makes me unique or sort of what that specialness is, is that I truly connect with my subjects. You know, I'm not, you know, haste and set up. I'm not haste in getting to know who these people are, you know, it's, it's a real soul connection. There's a real genuine, authentic, energetic exchange and conversation happening during my photo shoots. And even prior to that with everybody that's involved. And I think the, the whole energy of the environment and the, the creativity that, that comes through in a space like that is comes through, through the, uh, through the images. But people are always, you know, very impressed with the creativity and then how polished the imagery looks. But at the same time, uh, it still has an edge. It still has like a raw yeah. texture to it. So walk me through uh, maybe a recent shoot. 
And, and walk me through what that process is. You find out, you get contacted by whoever, and they say, hey, uh, we'd be available to photograph right. this actor, this musician. What, what's your process from, you know, that initial call to the shoot to the final image as you, as you deliver it? Um, well, the, you know, initially either somebody's referred, you know, uh, someone else or they find me online or something like that, or they're a repeat client that wants to hire. I think, you know, it all begins with a conversation. Uh, I think that in business, and not only that in business, but in, you know, just personal interaction as well, but especially in business, that conversation is probably the most important conversation you're going to have is that first call. So mm-hmm. it's very important that, you know, you have that they have a pleasant experience, you know, that you look and present yourself as being open to, you know, their ideas, their project, their vision, you know, of whatever it is and being sort of a culprit, you know what I mean, okay. in their in their agenda and a, a, a great collaborator. Having the conversation, you know, talking about what the vision is, who the client is, you know, who the subject's going to be, if it's a musician or an actor, you know, what it's for. Is this for their own project or is this for a magazine? Mm-hmm. Or, and depending on, you know, the, the project, it, the scope of it can be, you know, just me, the client and their manager, or it could be, a huge ensemble, <laughs> you know, um, super big project where it takes, you know, the production and the people involved is just, you know, that takes over more than the creative process at times. It's just managing communication and making sure everybody has what they need and everybody, you know what I mean? All the points are touched. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's left undone. So, you know, getting through that and, you know, pre-production and production and then post yeah, you know, I can spend six hours talking just about oh, <laughs> getting oh through the flow. Um, like, for example, the, the, the portrait that you did of Elder Selva, which uh-huh. I, I really love that, that, that shot. Um, th- tell me about that, that conversation in terms of being able to communicate to them what you want as well as them communicating what they need from Right. Well, I think for Idris, that was for a magazine called Rolling Out. And I, I worked with that magazine for a couple years. Usually the shoots are very, like very short when it comes to time. So I don't have a lot of time to get in and get out. So these are situations where like, you know, they're promoting a movie or something and they're, it's like a press junket situation or they're going to be at a hotel doing interviews for three hours, maybe for the day. And you have literally like 15 to 20 minutes to get in there and get your shot. So that was an interest situation. And you never know like where it's going to be until like, you know, a couple of days before and you have to have your equipment ready. So I have a great, you know, mobile setup. And, you know, depending on the space that I have, I know it's always going to be a super tight space and there isn't going to be a lot going on in this. So I don't have time to like prep or bring in props or furniture. It's like you, okay. you show up, you do a quick scout you do like a quick scan of the room and so on the rooms, like what's chair? That's cool. Can I bring in here? What the curtain, what do the curtains look like? Where's the white wall? Where are the plug outlets? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's super right. quick. Um, not only that, the talent has been like sort of exhausted through the day, you know, with interviews and asking yeah. the same question answers, you know, saying the same answers and quite hearing the same questions over and over again all day. So, you know, they've been through a, a whole host of people trying to, you know, 
tug at them and get answers out of them and, you know, get them to smile. So when I walk in, I, I always try to be like a breath of fresh air, some uh, calming energy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Something super chill. And Idris is a very chill, laid back guy. And he's, um, you know, very open and things like that. So he had just finished with another photographer and they had like a white background set up. It was, you know, really, you know, basic and just like in and out. They had all this equipment right. all over the place. And I had my little, you know, super small corner <laughs> of a space because all their equipment took up the room. But it just goes to show you, it's like, uh, what's the the story with the guy with the slingshot and he shoots the pebble and he knocks the giant down with yeah, just a David rock. David and Goliath. Yeah, yeah David yeah. and Goliath. You know, I felt like that walking in there. It's like a space to where it's just like, I love creating massive energy out of small It's like the mustard seed, you know what I mean, type of theory, which is really cool. And found an amazing space to shoot him in, had like literally like one light and I think a reflector situation. I can't even remember, but it was, you know, maybe like a two light source situation and really got some amazing portraits of Idris. I'm sorry. He did some inside, outside and yeah, I got the response from those images are really cool. But, you know, we did it really fast and... But the connection was there. That's the main thing. Cause I know yeah. that's where, that's where you really invest your time and energy. A lot of people think you should be investing time and energy and equipment and buying lenses right. and, you know, bringing in this whole huge setup. But my focus is always investing time, energy and focus into how I'm connecting with my subject before I go and start grabbing lenses and lights and putting them everywhere and all that stuff. Yeah, because like you said, you don't have a bunch of time to be fiddling with the you gear. Don't. You don't. You have to you worry don't. about that connection, particularly if you got them at four and then you know oh, the yeah. day started at nine <laughs> and you're on the tail end yeah. of all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are people that will spend, you know, a whole day setting equipment up and then spend, you know, 15 minutes with the artist and... They, they've done all that setup and then you look at the images and there's nothing there. There's no, you don't feel anything. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? My, my goal is to feel first. You know, that's what I do. I feel first and light second. So the moment you're in that door, you're trying to connect with that, with that person. Yeah. It's not even a try because even a lot of these celebrities are exhausted with connecting with people. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, you're dancing with where they are and the, you know, in their energetic feel. Like it's, it's like, you know, if there's a celebrity that doesn't want to be bothered or they look busy or, you know, it's kind of moving around them. It's like you become a ninja, you know, it's like, you know, there's a certain (laughs) knowing of like, you know, when you know how far to engage somebody or not, you know what I mean? A lot of people aren't aware of that. They'll, you know, they'll push up on somebody and, you know, they're not in that space to talk to you yet. Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, tone down, you know, how loud or the volume of your voice a bit or make sure to mention that, you know, they've had a long day, you know, so mm-hmm. you're going to make this quick or, you know, whatever that it is to do it. But I know it's it's definitely like a very cool, unique, special magic that I have with being able to feel people out and right. getting into that, getting into their space. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but. The more that you are, I guess, self-aware, the more you know how you feel, the more how you know, the more you know how you would like to feel, then right. you can, you know, work with people a lot better.
If you are going to be in Los Angeles on the weekend of February 3rd and 4th, come down to the Los Angeles Center of Photography for the culmination of LA Street Week. A week-long dedication to street photography ends with two days of presentations by a dozen accomplished street photographers. Photographers will include David Ingraham, Matt Stewart, Rinzi Ruiz, Michelle Groskoff, John Free, and Julia Dean. I'll also be doing a presentation on Saturday on my own work. You can find out more by visiting lacpphoto.org or clicking on the link in the show notes. Hope to see some of you there. One of the important shoots that you did was one with Kanye. Yes. And you said really something interesting about that conversation, that first conversation you had with his people. Mm-hmm. And that question you had to broach was, what's the budget? <laughs> yes. And I love, and I love hearing that because, uh. Need a t-shirt it, that says that. <laughs> what's, so, so, t- so tell me about that phone call and broaching that question because uh, I know that you felt a little anxiety. Oh yeah, about a lot of anxiety. Of yeah. A lot of anxiety, especially like launching your own business. You know, you, you want the work, you know, so it's like you just say yes to anything. Right. But there are times when you have to really think about what you're doing it for. And if this is a life that you want to have or create, what is it that you need to be courageous enough to do to meet your goals? If you want to be a professional photographer, that means that you have to be able to ask (laughs) Mm -hmm. for your rate or ask for the things you need to execute the jobs that your clients hire you for, especially working with musicians and celebrities and things like that. You just get so excited that the fact that you have the opportunity to do this, you do it. You know, so many people just commit to doing it for free and it kind of throws off the whole industry standard of, you know, rates and pricing and stuff like that. So I think just getting the phone call and saying, Hey, you know, we have Kanye for this magazine that we want to shoot. And we thought of you. And of course, a lot of times clients not going to say like, you know, well, we have this much money to do. It's kind of Mm -hmm. left in limbo in the air and somebody has to say it, you know? So at that moment, you know, as I'm like (laughs) sitting in my friend's office that he let me come to every day until I figured out where I was going to be, have my own office, but challenging myself in that moment and saying, ask what the budget is, you know, it's not going to hurt, you know, this is your step into a career, into a business that's going to be feeding you for however long. And this is a question you're going to have to get used to asking. And so, you know, mustering up the courage to, to do it. And when you're a new business owner, when you're hobbyist, and you're now moving into making it a profession, you have to become a business person. And these are the business questions that have to be asked. So it's kind of like you kind of role play until it becomes, you know, habit and you're, you know, used to the routine. Lo and behold, they had a budget. It was, it wasn't a super huge budget. It was, you know, a couple of coins, (laughs) but it was, the message and getting through the exercise of it was mm-hmm. more valuable than anything I could have asked for. And that's, and that's important, an important starting point for, for the collaboration that's ahead. Right. You know, in terms of knowing what the budget is. Cause oh, yeah. people can have some grand ideas. Oh yeah. Uh, that's going to involve a helicopter, but you got $750. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. So this it, is true. Yeah. Cause you can, you have, it's, it scales what you can do, you know, how elaborate you can get, how creative you can get, and you know how many people you can involve, you mm-hmm. know, support wise. 
as well. You know, am I going to be lugging equipment and setting up all on my own or can I hire an assistant or someone to help me, you know, do that? Or can I rent this light or this equipment, things like that. So once you know the budget, you can go into a whole nother space of pre-production because you know what you have to work with, which is really important. Are there times when the budget isn't what you'd like it to be, but you're excited about the potential collaboration? Oh, yeah. When 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 do you have to sort of balance out the, the effect that, look, this is not going to bring me as much as I need to bring in this month, mm-hmm. but I still want to do it. And, right. you know, and sort of not, you can't do that too much because right. otherwise you won't be in business. But <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, so what... Right now for you would uh-huh. be like a priority that would make you lead you to make that decision. The one of the main things that in order for me to consider that and to say, like, this is something that I find that I should do, even though it's not, you know, at the rate or the budget that, you know, I would desire in a perfect world is whoever's asking for the favor or asking me to compromise my rates or my team's rates or whatever, Mm -hmm. they have to know and understand and communicate that they do value what is being offered or the, you know, what we're, what we're bringing to the table. Somebody that is just asking for a favor and have no, like, you can't hear in their voice that they would like to pay you what you're, what you're worth. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some people that just like, Hey, you know, Let's do this. You'll get great exposure, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like the person isn't even getting the right. fact that there's there's value there. So whoever that person is, you would I'd like them to understand the value of what myself, my team is worth and that they've expressed that first, you know, and that they are making an attempt to offer something of value. And it may not be money, but it could be something else or not. Maybe it's just their sentiment and their passion for wanting to get it done. And then that puts um, sort of me in a position to find or extract the value of what it's going to be for me. You know, sometimes it's not up to the other person to figure out, you know, how this is going to elevate you or your career. You know, most of the time it's up to you. Okay, how can I use this? How can I leverage this experience to extract the value that I know is there? It's not going to pay me my rate, but... How can I use this to um, to move forward or add to my portfolio and things like that? And who am I working with? How can this how can I add this experience to like to the conversations that I'm going to have in the future with future clients that, you know, may put me in a position to get them to, you know, want to buy into what I'm doing because I've worked or done this project. So how good are you at leveraging those? So when you have, uh-huh. say, a four-page, six-page spread in a magazine, or you've gotten uh-huh. to photograph this person who's particularly hot, it's mm-hmm. it's opportunities like that you have to mm-hmm. strike where the iron is hot sort of thing. Right. Otherwise, it just sort of fizzles out. How good are you in terms of being able to to take advantage of those things? Right. Well, that's where, that's where the business comes in, you know, and that's what being ready and being armed and prepared with knowing and understanding the business side of things, that's where that comes in, um, being able to leverage those experience and thinking strategically about how you're going to use it to your advantage. I mean, of course you have social media, you can <laughs> Instagram it, put it on Facebook, uh, your website marketing, you know, put, adding it to your portfolio or putting it in a presentation deck or presenting it to a client that would hire you for some similar project and things like that. Sometimes you, you want to add weight to a category that, you know, maybe you've neglected or mm-hmm. that you want to move into. 
doing more of, you know, so it's whatever you're sort of leaning or putting weight on a certain path or category in your work or your, what you want to be doing more of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Being able to, um, to put or to do work to, you know, build a portfolio that speaks to that. So what do you use to, to, uh, to do that? Are you using email blasts? Yeah, you mentioned Instagram and social media. Which of the tools do you, do you use? Do you use, do you print promotions and send them out? What, what are the things that you have found are working for you now? So it used to be like, you know, I used to be very, very, very active as far as like sending out email blasts, passing out flyers, super active on that because it's very important, especially starting out and even up and through the years. Now it's like the more you do it at the beginning, the more you do it in the middle. It's like it starts to work on its own. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So and building your clientele and your reputation starts to speak and people start to refer you and things like that. So now it's a point where like I get a lot of referrals from, you know, existing clients or people that have worked with me or they know of my work. Maybe they haven't worked with me yet, but they know and, you know, and value like my reputation and they trust that, you know, Hey, this is Kawhi. She shot this person, that person, or she's worked with this company, things like that. And it's really, you know, beyond just having like great work and a great por- portfolio, your reputation of how you are to work with mm-hmm. <laughs> precedes you. Like yeah. it's, it's very important. You know, there's a lot of photographers that, you know, or directors that aren't very pleasant to work with. And I've heard stories or, you know, and sometimes those are the decisions that people make. It's like, I love their work, but they're an asshole or they're always <laughs> late or mm-hmm. they never get back to you on time or they miss deadlines. Right. So one of my competitive advantages is that making sure that I'm always on top of my communication with my clients or potential clients or, you know, things that are in the pipeline. I'm always going to be very like open and able to like communicate, you know, what the expectations are, at least get to you as far as and getting clear about what your visions are for the project so that we can't execute it e- efficiently. Mm-hmm. So it feels like the I need the client to feel like they're in good hands and they're being taken care of. And there's a professional workflow happening. You know what I mean? Right. To get their project done outside of the creative and it's going to look great and all that kind of stuff. It's like when you're dealing with people that are working, you know, they have corporate jobs or they have like very like high stress, high power jobs and they're hiring you and they're trusting you with not only their vision, but their money, (laughs) you know, you need to present or help them feel like they are getting taken care of and that, you know what I mean? Things are getting done on your end professionally besides, you know, just the, you know, we're going to have a great shoot. Yeah, because they have enough. their own careers. They have their oh, own yeah. nuts that they have to oh, yeah. they have to meet. So when they're, <laughs> they really are trusting and relying on you to be, so that you can go back to you, so they can go back oh, to yeah. their boss and say they made the right choice in yeah, hiring you. That's the goal. That's the goal. It's not about you. It's yeah. about them. <laughs> well, you're not just a photographer. Like you said, you're an entrepreneur and you have this other company where you're doing like multimedia uh, sort of content. Yes. Why don't you, why don't you yes, tell me yes, yes. a little bit about that? So Air Philosophy is the company that I've had and that I've worked under. Um, I never had like Kawhi Matthews photography or anything like that. I saw mm-hmm. a bigger vision when I was starting out just because I was multidisciplined. 
So, you know, I could do graphic design, I could do photography, um, I could throw and plan events and things like that. So I had a skill, I had multiple skill sets that I knew I could monetize, so to speak. So photography would have limited me if I just kept it just in that lane, I thought, you know, because I wanted to be able to exercise all my skill sets. And I saw the potential of, you know, all of this stuff overlapping, you know, so if I did the photo shoot, I could also take images from that photo shoot and design the flyer for the artists that, you know, I shot the images for. So it's kind of like I always kind of had this one stop shop vision in my head. And so Air Philosophy is the company, is my company name and, you know, graphic design, video and photography. So it's all visual media. On top of that, because I have been an entrepreneur, I study entrepreneurship and marketing and strategy and all types of elements of business and things like that. I'm able to offer more than just a creative, you know, spin on your project. So it becomes more of like a creative and a commercial approach or a consulting ac- uh, approach to you know, your project where it can live after we've done, after we're done creating the content and things like that. So, you know, the different opportunities for distribution or marketing channels and things like that. So I'm able to exercise both sides of my brain within the company. Uh, And not only that, it opens up a whole nother realm of being able to lead and create jobs and collaboration opportunities, you know what I mean? To work with other talented creatives and friends or, you know, reaching out to strangers across the world, (laughs) you know what I mean? To execute a project, to get a vision out. So it puts me in more of like a creative director space, which is great. And not only that, I can still get my hands in, you know, editing and, you know, shooting and, you know, drafting proposals and putting together pitch decks and designing and all that kind of stuff. It seems like you enjoy all the different facets of leading a creative life. You're not one of those people who are, I just want to shoot. I just, I want to do it all. I just want the camera in front of me. Right. It seems like you really thrive in negotiating and and collaborating and all that. Very true. That's that's awesome to hear. I'm definitely a desk warrior for sure. (laughs) So you mentioned earlier that you had gone uh, gone to conferences, you had read a lot of books in order to sort of learn the business side. Mm-hmm. But what was one of the biggest things that you learned that you could never have learned from any of those things? It was only by, you know, putting yourself in the midst of it that you felt like, wow, this is an important lesson. I can't forget this one. Uh, pay your taxes. Um, <laughs> that they don't teach you. I'm um, <laughs> um, I, I mean, again, I think you're always going to learn your best battle techniques and strategy in the battle. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing or there's no briefing or classroom that somebody can put you in that's really going to like ready you for the challenges and things that come. I think one of the biggest things is just like um your relationships, you know what I mean, how you treat people, uh like that interaction of getting through and working through projects. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, you know, behavior and communication and a lot of the intangibles, you know what I mean? You can learn marketing and that becomes bullet points. You can learn the financial that becomes bullet points. You can get slapped with the bill. You know, you have to pay it mm-hmm. on on time. But there are things that, you know, dealing with people's personalities and dealing and navigating through the politics of what you need to do to get to the goal that can't be taught 
in school. Common sense and just like looking deeper into the strategy of like securing a job, like what angle you should go in at and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it really is kind of like the art of war. It's, it's a beautiful war. It's not, you know what I mean? But it's, it's something that you really have to put time and energy into figuring out. And I think that comes with just like self work, self awareness, like I talked about earlier. The more you know about you, the more you know how you want to feel, how you want to be treated and what's fair and things like that. And being able to uh, communicate that and just, you know, having being in good spirits. I think that's one of the best things that I can do for myself every day and before every engagement with somebody is being in a a good headspace. You know what I mean? You're going to be upset. There are going to be people that try to get over on you or there are going to be people that just aren't going to get your vision sometimes. They, you know, it's just like working through those, the human interaction of it is what's really going to, you know, create really kind of like a standout reputation. You know what I mean? And on top of that, being clear about what your needs are. And that's how you kind of stay in your happy place. There's some people that get cornered into doing something they don't want to do or, you know what I mean? Or they've created a career from shooting celebrity when they really want to, you know, be shooting, you know, sports, (laughs) you know what I mean? So, you know, it's, it's sort of like making sure that you're in your happy place so that that's what you emit or that's what you bring to the world when you're, you're out interacting with it. Amen. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is that I ask them to recommend another photographer for listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, <laughs> someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? It's a tough question. Well, I'm just, it's not a tough question, but it's my two go-tos are Helmut Newton and Gordon Parks. Those are like the two staples for me. Yeah, that's it. Two awesome recommendations. That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, Kawhi, thank you so much for your time this morning. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Kawhi for joining us on The Candid Frame. You can check out her work at kawaiimatthews.com or click on the link in the show notes. Thank you for your continued support of The Candid Frame. If you haven't already, please take the time today to write a review in the iTunes store. Your ratings and comments help so much to help people discover the great conversations like the one you heard today. Thanks to MLWPCO for their five-star review. You can also support the show by making a regular monthly contribution through Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash the candid frame, or you'll find a link in the show notes and the candid frame website. Or if you just want to make a one-time contribution to the show, you can do so via PayPal by clicking on our donate link on the Candid Frame website or in the show notes. Thanks to all who have recently contributed to the show, including Daniel White and Matt Groon. You're helping to make a big difference. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app, available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows. Links for each can be found in the show notes and the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at the other martintaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker, and our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at simply at X. Remember to help spread the word. 
And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.